So picture this with me. It's nighttime and the stars are out. Obviously, it's summer. The air is warm and dense, and the crickets are chirping. And you can hear the gentle sound of cars driving in the distance. And you look around, and the streetlights are gently kissing the landscape with orange textures against the dark backdrop of blue and black. And there I am, floating on my back in my little above-ground pool. And the filter pump gently hums. The water's warm from the heat of the day. You can smell and feel that the yard is dense and green from the summer. I'm laying on my back and I'm looking up through millions and millions of light years at the stars. And these stars would look the same if I was in the mountains of Colorado. They would look the same if I was in Dubai. They would look the same if I was on the moon. These would be my stars. Next slide. Right beside the pool, I didn't do it, but a little daisy grew up, and I've been standing in the water all summer enjoying the daisy, marveling at something for free, costs me nothing, but God decorates my simple backyard with something so beautiful. These little pleasures would not be improved upon if I had a $6 million mansion with carefully inlaid tile in the pool. It would be the same water, the same crickets, the same main stuff that makes me feel so rich would not be changed at any price point. And if I think it does, I'm deceived. Next slide, cup of black coffee in the morning. This is my routine. Come on. This is what I did this morning, brought it with me, pour over. Prefer if I'm the one who grinds the beans, so I'd prefer you buy beans, not pre-ground. Just tastes better. But I don't pay much. What is that per coffee? If you buy the beans, grind them yourself, boil some hot water, empty the boiling pot first, fill your cup with Reverse osmosis water, pour it in so you don't have to overthink, how much is this? You just pour it till the thing's empty once it boils. And there's your cup of coffee, no cream, no sugar. Drink it just like Leo Fender did. Leo Fender, who invented the Stratocaster and the Telecaster and the Fender P-Bass and the Fender Jazz, ba- Jazz Bass and the Bassman Amplifier and the Fender Deluxe Reverb and the Fender Twin and all kinds of stuff that dominates the airwaves. Leo Fender, who had tons of employees, who had so much money, but who showed up every morning and had a little white styrofoam cup with Leo written in pen, and no one was allowed to wash it or throw it away, even though it cost less than a nickel for this little cup. That was his cup, and he drank his coffee black, just like I do, because it's the simple pleasures. And after he was selling the company Fender because he had a health scare, and they thought, oh, you're going to have to stop. Well, he didn't die, so he kept working, 
Worked at Ernie Ball Music Man. Then again, I'll retire. Then he, no, his buddy George, him and, him and Leo started GNL, George and Leo Guitars. Because it's not about money. It's about doing what you love. It's the simple things. It's the simple things in life. Yeah. That make you wealthy. Yeah. It's imperfect, normal life appreciated for what it really is. Happiness is an inside job. The grass looks greener in the neighbor's yard, and then you realize, oh, it's a septic tank under there. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. Next slide. Jesus, Luke 12, 15 said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because one's life does not consist in the abundance of material possessions. Notice all kinds of greed. There's all kinds of greed. Everything that breeds a lack of contentment is a form of greed. You can be greedy for experiences. You can be greedy for gifts. Oh, I wish I had her face. I wish I had his muscles. I wish I had their experience. I wish I had their wife, their husband, their car, their college education. There's all kinds of greed where some, it's never enough. There's never enough. Contentment is right at the core of biblical faith. Gratitude and contentment create virtue. Wherever you find a person that's not at peace, you find a person that is not content. Now, am I saying don't work, don't improve your life, don't change the things you need to change to please? No, of course not. Am I saying don't work hard and make something? No, of course not. I'm saying for some of us, unless we learn contentment, nowhere and nothing will ever be enough. Here's some real bad ideas. Next slide. These are the kind of thoughts that are very much from hell, but they're also very common. Every day, this is not the bad thoughts, but premise. Every day, and Carrie will will say, yeah, that's true. Every day, I tell my wife she's beautiful. Now, maybe I miss a day here and there, but most days, more than one time a day, I say, oh my word, you're stunning. Just look at her. I'm just kidding. She doesn't want you to. She's like, oh my word, I didn't even do my hair today. I'm not even wearing my pretty dress today, and now he's going to pick on me. But you know what I don't dwell on, guys? You know what kind of thoughts I don't entertain in my head? Thoughts like, you know, she's probably not the most beautiful woman in the whole world. And I'd probably be happier if I was married to someone more beautiful. That's the kind of thought I don't entertain. I don't think like that. Especially since outward beauty fades as we age. It just does. These are facts. But inward beauty endures. And there's this strange thing that happens. Have you noticed this? That when you really see someone for who they are, I don't understand how this works, 
But when you really see a beautiful person for who they are, you begin to see their outward beauty kind of minus the perfections. It's a weird thing. Billy Graham said of his wife in her coffin at the funeral, I can't hardly believe how beautiful she is even now. That, that struck me. Here's another thought that I don't dwell on a whole lot. My life would be so much better if Carrie would just do a better job anticipating what I need and take better care of my heart. I, was, I came home and I was hungry and she didn't hand me food. My feelings were hurt, and I was wearing a sullen expression, and she didn't notice and ask how I'm doing. That's the kind of crap that literally is Satan whispering in your ear, hey, you should get offended and hurt over crap that isn't real and doesn't matter. How about I make you selfish so you can get offended, be bitter and miserable? You'll be upset about your boss, your friends, your siblings, your neighbors, the liberals, the conservatives, the foreigners, the economy, the weather. You'll be mad at God about the weather. Can't believe it's so hot out here. Why is it raining again? Next slide. I've heard that a much-praised woman actually gets more beautiful. You heard that? You ain't heard that? And I suspect it's true, and I suspect the opposite might also have truth to it. So, like, just imagine this with me. Just try this on as a thought exercise right now. Try this. Think about this. Imagine that for years... There's a woman who is treasured, treasured, and praised for her positive virtues. That's the environment in which she exists for years. That's the normal. Her normal is an environment of appreciation, affirmation. Do you think that would affect how she carries herself? Do you think it might even affect her health? Do you think it might even affect her physical appearance? Now imagine the opposite. Imagine for years she is ceaselessly berated and picked apart with criticism and nagging and hardness. Would that affect who she became? Would that affect how she carries herself? Would that affect how she sees herself? And would that affect how she looks? Weird, right? No, not that weird. Next one. Can you read that from there? My favorite is little cross stitches of hilarious quotes. Like, y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here, cross-stitched? That's good stuff. That's just good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that shows my age, right? The songs I reference, yeah, that old. 
But beatings will continue until morale improves. You know why that sign's hilarious? Because beatings continuing will never improve morale. You can't invest negative energy into a system and expect positive energy to result. So why do we do it so much in our relationships? We nag, we criticize, we grumble. Again, it's not, it's not that we point out things we want improved. That's healthy. It's the tone, friend. Right? The tone. It's the energy. It's the spirit. Like Jesus said to Peter, you know not what spirit you are of. That's King Jamesian. You don't know what spirit's pushing you. I mean, it's real easy sometimes to be driven by negative, anxious energy and have all the Bible verses lined up for our position, think we're doing God a favor, and we're the ones in the right. Like if we were in a court of law, the Christian police would have, the Christian judges and all that, they would have to say, he's got the verses, he's right. I don't care how right you are, if it's anxious energy driving you to fix what's broken because you're motivated by fear and you need to control, then no matter how right you are on paper, the energy driving you is, is not of God. I don't care how much Bible you quote, being right don't make you right. Bobby used to say, being right ain't all it's cracked up to be. You can ruin your marriage and be right. You can make your life miserable and be right. What energy is driving this thing? There's been seasons in my life when I was trying to do the right thing and trying to do what's best for people, but the energy driving some person freaking out, not in a good place, comes to me, points out a problem, then I get all agitated, and I try to fix it because I'm helpful and loving. Now, I'm carrying their energy, and all of it looks godly, and all of it is biblical, except it's that. It's beatings will continue until morale improves. It's just angry, anxious, critical energy. It's a lack of contentment. You know, whatever we can do with negative energy, we can do so much better with positive energy. Whatever you can do with anger, you can do much better without. Whatever you can do with self-pity, you can do way better without. Whatever you can do with fear, you can do way better without. Next one. So imagine that, let's just imagine, let's pretend, let's pretend, because I know you guys are content, you're at peace, and you're grateful. But let's imagine that you weren't. Let's imagine that you've been feeling really sorry for yourselves. I can't believe my life isn't further along by now, because you've got these milestones in your mind, we're at mile whatever it is. Or if you view your life as a 24-hour day, you're born at, you know, 6 a.m. or something. Maybe not a 24-hour day. Let's just say a waking day. It's morning in your childhood. It's mid-morning in your teens, midlife. It's noon, it's lunchtime. In your 60s, it's 3 or 4. In your 70s, it's getting closer to 8 or 9. You're getting up to 80. It's, woof, it's almost bedtime. And by now, you're looking at your life and you're like, I should be so much further along by now. I should have got so much more done. I don't know. I feel like just I wish my life were different than it is. And you're kind of starting to do the pity, blaming people, blaming circumstances. Let's just imagine that. Now imagine that some other person swaps lives with you. 
Like they just jump into your life. They have your house. They have your people. They have your job. They have your circumstance. They even have your past. They even have your past. So for, for a year, let's just imagine it. You swap lives with them. But they are a person dominated by gratitude and contentment. Dominated by gratitude and contentment. And then you check back in a year to see how your life with them in it is going. What do you think you'd find? You think you could compare notes and the things that you were upset about and like, and she leaves the, you know, she never puts the lids back on the mayonnaise and puts it away. And he'd be like, I know, it's driving me crazy too. And these kids, you got to tell them nine times before they even make a move. I mean, it's driving me nuts. Yeah, I know, totally. You think that's how that conversation would go after a year? You check in? And my boss, man, what's he trying to expect from me? Just a person, man. I don't know why you're from Southern California. What happened? Where are you? If you're from, if you're a, if you're a waterman, you'd be whining about how your, your wife washes. Wash. She washes. Sorry. Get back under control, Tim. So he or she, you check back in on them, they've got your life, and you discover that the life you thought you wanted to get out of so you could be happy. I could, only, I could be happy if I had this. I'd be, once I get that, I'll be happy. You come back and you see that they're in that life that you weren't happy in, and they're thriving. And you're like, what? Not only this, as you, they go, walk with me. Let's go through a day together. You, you walk through a day, and they're telling you what they're thinking, and they're, they're pointing out the good in the people. They're pointing out the best parts of your kids. They're pointing out the best parts about where you live. They're pointing out the best parts about your job. They're pointing out the best parts about the gifts you have, because you swap that too. They're pointing out risks that they've taken in this past year to improve the best parts of them. And they're just sharing notes, and you're going, oh, my word, my life's awesome. Can I have it back, for crying out loud? And then here's the real surprise, is the people around you that you've been whining about, they're better. And you're like, maybe they don't want me back. Maybe they want this person to stay. They, they seem better. And, and this person, as they walk you through a day of your life, your life, they feel like they won the lottery. Man, it's so awesome to be you. You're such a blessed woman, man. And the craziest part is how the people around them changed. Your people, your people have been changed for the better. And they did it without manipulation, grumbling, whining, constant, big, important, come to Jesus conversations. Because we speak out of what we think, but we reproduce who we are. They just were grateful, content, open, non-reactive, non-selfish. They were okay. And people around them started to move towards that too. Isn't that something? 
Weird. Because happiness, contentment, gratitude is an inside job. Next slide. Who knows Keith Green? I know Doug and April know Keith Green. Good, good. Keith and Melody wrote a song called Run to the End of the Highway. And here's the lyric. He says, verse 1, You can run. Well, I came running when I got the news that you were leaving. Oh, I got to talk some sense to you because I'm your friend. You say you want to hit the road because life is so deceiving. Do you think it's different at the other end? Chorus. Well, you can run to the end of the highway and not find what you're looking for. No, it won't make your troubles disappear. And you can search to the end of the highway and come back no better than before because to find yourself, you've got to start right here. I have a friend, I'm not going to say who it is, Never content, never enough. I'm unhappy, I'm depressed, so I'm missing something, I don't know what it is. Must, must be God, meets God. Loves God, but something's still missing, something's still missing. I don't know, what is it, what is it? I know, it must be where I live. Let's move south, let's move to the Gulf Coast. Let's open a restaurant. Let's work in a restaurant till I can open my own restaurant. Let's make the best, insert kind of food here, that I've ever had. So good, I'm trying to protect. Will that fix me? Mm. Excelled at everything he ever did. Excelled. Moved the family around the country, chasing maybe its career, maybe its location. Finally, maybe, maybe it's my marriage that's messing me up. I'm not happy. i got to find some place to hang this. Something has to be to blame because a lot of us, it's an emotional issue, it's a spiritual issue, and then we start with a feeling and then we look for a reason. So I'll look around my circumstances and I'll find something to hang the unhappiness. I must be that. It must be that. Hang it on that. If I lived there, if I had that job. Finally, it was the wife to blame. Divorce the wife. Get a hotter, newer, younger model. Cool. Great. Oh, well, that was fun for two years. Ah, actually kind of like the first model better. Can't admit that to anyone now. Too late. Should have never left the first one. Went on a long journey to figure out nothing works. Now, as an old person, biggest mistake I ever made, he says, is divorcing her. Settled in, living a normal life, realizing the unhappiness isn't externally caused, so it can't be externally fixed. Dubro used to not be able to lead worship at church till he got a good alcoholic buzz on. That's a kind of a sign you got a problem, right? Can't relax and get over what these people might think about me and flow with Jesus till I get a good buzz going? Bro, those are signs pointing to wounds and issues and beliefs that need to be dealt with, not masked. But instead of deal with the real problem, Keep feeding the problem whatever the problem tells you it is and whatever the problem tells you it needs. It's like going to your doctor and saying, here's what I need, here's what I have, give it quick, I said so, the end. And the doc's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. One thing you are not an expert on is what's wrong with you. He's the great physician. 
Next verse. Oh, I came running when I got the news that you were crying. Oh, my friend, has life been so unkind to you? You say you want to find a place where people are not lying. If you find a place like that, I'll go there too. You get it? They're crazy around here. They're crazy, everybody. Everybody everywhere is crazy. Life's imperfect. Like if you were Bill Gates and you had $49 billion or whatever he has nowadays, he probably has similar problems to you and I. Remember when Steve Jobs got pancreatic cancer and died young? Still human. And if he was happy, if he was happy, it was not because of his money. So stop believing that lie. Chorus. Well, you can run to the end of the highway and not find what you're looking for. No, it won't make your troubles disappear. And you can search to the end of the highway and come back no better than before. To find yourself, you've got to start right here. Anyone been through addiction in the house and got out? You know what I'm saying is true. You know what I'm talking about. You've got to find you as the beloved of God and accept the imperfect you and the imperfect life and learn to move from a posture of hiding from what's really going on by trying to feed it. This, maybe this, maybe this will work. Maybe that'll work. Because our answers not only don't work, they make it worse. Way worse. Next slide. Alexander the Great... Let's just pretend that's Alexander the Great. Y'all know who Alexander the Great was? He was single-handedly took over the whole ancient known world about 300 years before Jesus. He like took over the whole known world, on a, went on a military conquest and just said, you're now mine, this country's now mine. Would you like to all die or would you like to become a part of my kingdom? And they were like, we'd like to live, sir. Brilliant military strategist and probably thought he was doing the world a favor. You know what I'm saying? Let me help you by being in charge of you. You obviously can't handle freedom. Let me bring you our culture, our wisdom. So he's conquering nation after nation after nation. Conquered the whole known world of his day. And this is the story. The story is he gets to India, the edge of what they know as the world. And there's this sadhu, this holy man, Indian holy man, sitting on the ground, cross-legged, meditating by the river. And one of Alexander's generals yells at the dude to get up and get out of the way. And he does not respond. Now, a standard operating procedure would be to take out your sword and take his head off. He says to the guy, yells at the guy, Don't you know who this is? This is Alexander. He's conquered the world. What have you done? The man just sits there and quietly responds, I have conquered my need to conquer the world. Alexander said, whoa, leave him go. Leave him sit. Leave him sit. Later he said, 
If I could be anyone else other than Alexander, I would want to be that man. Next slide. Godliness with contentment is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have food and clothing, let us be content. The carrot in front of you, the capitalist system, and I love capitalism, by the way, but I really am just talking about the commercials Ceaseless, endless commercials. Hey, let's give them a stimulus check that they'll all waste immediately on crap they don't need to get the economy going. No, save it. Put it in savings. Be responsible. Stop buying stuff you don't need. This will make you happy. This will make you happy. Buy this. You'll be so attractive and happy. And we go, okay, 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 okay. Swipe. And then you get into debt, and it racks up, and it starts at 0% APR, and the next thing you know, it's not 0%, and the next thing you know, you're paying credit cards off with other credit cards, and you're like so excited because a 0% APR credit card came in the mail, and you're like, oh, but you can't talk about it to anyone because it's too embarrassing. Then you do that. Next thing you know, it's 30 grand. Next thing you know, it's 50 grand. Next thing you know, it's 100 grand. And when it gets up to 100 grand, when the kids are like, can we go out to eat? Can we get Chick-fil-A? Yeah, when it was 20 grand, you were like, I can pay this down. You're like, no, kids, everyone shut up. We're having rice and beans. But when it gets up to 100 grand, you're like, screw it, let's go. No point anyway. And we'll be like Michael Scott, I declare bankruptcy. When he found out that's something you could do. But what if godly, what if you were just content? What if you didn't need to have the nicest of everything? What if you didn't believe the lie that they're happier and they're better? And if you only lived there, and if, what if you started to live deeply rooted in your walk with God and there was not so much noise inside? Because there's all kinds of greed, guys. When you sit alone with Jesus, are you calm? Or are you just rushing and running with ideas and worries and things you must do? Or do you never sit and be? Maybe you don't even know how to sit still and be in the presence of God to become aware of what is driving you. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? But godliness with contentment is great wealth. Am I saying you can't have worldly wealth in the kingdom? Sure you can. There's plenty of rich saints in the book. They just didn't trust their wealth. They didn't draw security from their wealth. They didn't draw status, I'm important, from their wealth. They viewed it as an opportunity to use wealth to become the servant of God and others. Right? And the scripture says things like, if you're poor in this world, you're blessed. And God's chosen to make the poor in this world richer in faith than the rich. You notice verses like that? Because we've got it in our mind. We've got it in our mind. Rich people are smart, hardworking, have integrity. Unless you are a very poor person who grew up in a culture that's been learned, been learned, been taught to resent rich people. But a lot of us middle class people think, if we work hard enough, maybe we can graduate and become one of these rich people. Wouldn't that be something? 
And there's a proverb in Proverbs chapter 30 that says, God, don't give me too much. Don't give me too much wealth. What do you mean too much wealth? I mean, I, what about Tevye from Fiddler on the, new, on the Roof? If wealth is a, is a curse, then may I you know, be stricken with it and never recover. Remember him? Brilliant. What a brilliant line. But Proverbs 30 says, give me neither poverty nor riches. If I'm too rich, I may forget the Lord. But if I'm too poor, I might be tempted to steal. Just give me my daily bread. And I would say, and if I'm poor, I might not just be tempted to steal. I might be tempted to resent the Lord for how hard I have to work for my dollar to pay my bills. Just to, not even to get ahead, just to live. This isn't right. This isn't fair. Right? It's hard. Just living can be hard. But Jesus teaches us, take that middle position. Daily bread's enough. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content. If a big payday comes, don't trust it. Don't be fooled by it. Okay, I'm talking too long on that point. Final story, conclusion. The uh, prayer team can go ahead and come on up, whoever that is today. The businessman and the fisherman, a parable. So every day the fisherman goes out, sits by the river, casts his line. And he only catches enough fish every day to feed his family fresh fish. And he goes home. One day while he's sitting there with his line in the water, a businessman walks past and asks, Hey, wh- why, why, do you, why do you use a pole? Why don't you use a net? If you used a net you'd catch more fish. And he goes, but my family doesn't need more fish. Why would I do that? And the businessman explains, well, obviously, you sell the extra fish. Then you get money. Then, with the money, you save up and you buy a boat. Then you take the net to where there's even more fish. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Then you get even more fish, you even have more extra, you sell even more, you get even more money. But why would I want to do that? Because then you could hire a crew, and once you work even longer, you can hire more boats and more crews. And the guy says, why would I want to do that? Because then eventually you... you, You can make so much money that instead of fishing at all, you just manage people. Just organize. You just run the books, set up the sales, organize the workers, deal with the payroll and the tax law. You just sit in an office. You could just sit in an office like me. You could be a businessman like me all day in an office, on the phone, working with spreadsheets, calling people, making deals. You could be like me. Why would I want to do that? Because, because, hear me out. One day, one day, after you lived your whole life working in the office, wearing the suit, doing the thing, see, see, you could sell the business, make a huge payday, and then you could retire and spend your life doing what you love. And the fisherman sits there, 
Cast his line out one more time. What do you think I'm doing right now? You want to stand with me and pray? Holy Spirit, would you show us how blessed we are? There's stuff in our life that we should want to change. There's stuff in our life we do need to improve. We are called to do hard work. But Holy Spirit, you want us to work from a place of rest, not from anxious energy. And so we say, Holy Spirit, would you teach us how not to be ruled and driven by anxious energy, quoting Bible verses to justify what doesn't actually come from you. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to cultivate gratitude. I'm a blessed man. Cultivate contentment. You are enough, God. Like to be able to pray like Paul, I've learned the secret of being content in plenty and in want. If I don't have enough money, I'm content in Christ. If I have more than enough money, I'm content in Christ because knowing Jesus is the treasure and with God, I have all that I need. Walking that out is actually a little more challenging than it sounds. So train us. Holy Spirit, train us. Train us. Let us lift the people up around us, not by making them see what we think, but by showing them how peace and how hope lives. Not one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father, and you are worth more than many sparrows. Your Father cares for every sparrow. Why do you worry? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.